And we're live talking about uh, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou with Josh Wendell here on the podcast. So lots of exciting things to discuss. Might even talk a little bit about Tyrone Woodley's recent appearance on JRE and some things he had to say. They talked about a lot of cool stuff. So everybody's already writing news articles about it and putting it on Team Alpha Male and uh, just because Joe Rogan was talking about his theories about what Connor's going to do, they think they're going to—he st- thinks they're going to strip him of the title. So, anyway, <clears throat> so what are you thinking? Just uh, initially on, uh, you know, because initially I'm like oh, Miocic, you know, I'm pretty high on him, and then the more I think about it, I'm I'm really like I told you before you came on, I'm just leaning towards Ngannou. Yeah, you're changing it up. Yeah, but it, uh, I don't know, man. I'm doing it, the same thing. Every time I see him decapitate Overeem, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy could be the future. What's crazy to me is uh, I've been reading about Nganu and just, like, researching what his story is and stuff. Dude was, like, homeless on the streets of Paris until he started training his MMA gym. Like, moved to Paris from, um, let's see, he's a Cameroonian French. So, like, I guess... Cameroon, it's this, it's it's near Nigeria in Africa. Yeah, it's and West it's a, Africa. I guess a, I would guess a French colony is probably why he was able to immigrate to to France easily. But he he wanted to be a boxer and immigrated to France to be a boxer. He was like homeless on the streets and started training at uh, I think it was the MMA factory or fight factory. I can't remember what his team name is, but he was trying to box in there, and they were like, "Have you heard of MMA?" And uh, so now we now we have a total savage, dude. I am scared of this guy. It's insane, bro. As am I. Um, do you hear about like his dad being a street fighter or something no, like that? No, I heard his I heard his family wasn't very supportive of him wanting to be a boxer. Yeah, it's it's tough to get intel on the guy, but I heard his dad was a street fighter and uh, didn't have the best rep around town. So Ngano was sort of trying to get away from that. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's what brought him to more legitimized uh, contest fighting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too. So early on in his record, he had one loss, a decision yeah. loss. Like I don't, I guess it was like maybe right after he he got subbed. To, yeah, I wonder who that guy was. I'm I'm queuing up his first fight in the UFC versus Luis Henrique. Now, have you seen the picture of Ngannou from back in Africa days? No, uh, no. There's a picture you can find on the internet of him. And uh, he looks quite a bit different. Before before UNC Performance Institute days, back in Africa, his, he was uh, a way smaller. Not like he wasn't, you know, he was still like an impressive looking physique and a huge dude, but he was way skinnier probably, you know. He had to be, probably be 210, 215 in the picture rather than the 265 yeah. he is now. So does he cut weight to make it? I, I didn't really – I was unclear on that. His his walk-around weight or whatever, or probably his last fight weight was 262, so I wonder if he cuts to make the 265 limit. I think he does. I don't think he cuts a lot, but I think he does cut. That's wild. I mean, because, like, we're, I, I think maybe you and I were talking about heavyweights. It's like you take a, a heavyweight that's under, like, 250 considerably within that 20 pound swing it's like wh- what are you doing I, that's why there should be an ultra i think it was colby and i talked about it. there should be an ultra heavyweight classes there's like some um guys that do like strongman and stuff like that that also train mma they're like 400 pound people that uh i wonder what that would look like it'd be interesting to see them fight yeah i mean it, they're also i don't know because you know the division is Everyone complains about the skill level and the athleticism in the heavyweight division, but at the same time, it would be nice to see something in between 205 and 265. Then you're going to have Miocic fighting Nganu, who's 30 pounds more muscle than Miocic is. It's going to make a difference in the the fight. Uh, You know, there's some people saying right now that in for a while that the uh, heavyweight division of Bellator is possibly better than the heavyweight division in the UFC right now. What do you think about that? Well, who do they who do they have? They got Fedor. Okay. The, he's something, I guess. They got that guy that beat Fedor, Matt Fedor, Mitrion. Frank Mir, Matt Mitrion. Matt Mitrion's definitely a top heavyweight. You can't argue that. Uh, yeah, I think I, he's gotten better since he left the UFC. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. And then you've got, uh, apparently, somebody told me, and I haven't looked him up in a while, somebody told me that uh, Mirko Krokop's on like a five-fight win streak, just like juicing it overseas super I, I hard. I heard that as well, yeah. Uh, but he's, I guess he's probably fighting in Ryzen or something. I, like I said, I haven't f I haven't kept up with him. But uh, we got, uh, did uh, who else is in the uh, heavyweight tournament? We got Roy Nelson. Kel Summon, Frank Mir, yeah. King Mo. Yeah, and you know apparently King Mo is um, is walking around pretty heavy these days. Yeah, from what um, I hear. But how many out of the eight man heavyweight tournament? How many are true heavyweights? Yeah, exactly. One. Exactly. Frank Mir. I mean, yeah. Frank Mir and Matt Mitrione, two. Roy, Roy Nelson, them. maybe. Um, who else is in that? It's it's hard to even classify Roy Nelson as a true heavyweight though. Like, know, should dude. he be really be fighting at that weight? No, hell no. Yeah, I know. You know when he he did lose uh, lose quite a bit of weight and like it looks like he really trained super hard for a fight and like leaned down a bunch and I mean he looked great and then he he like actually I think yeah. blew back up. So yeah, I'm excited about that little tournament. What is uh, what's Josh Barnett doing these days? Is he in Bellator? I, I don't know. I hadn't heard about him in a long time. I was trying to think the other day um, when I was thinking about that little tournament. And I like the idea of a tournament, but man, I just like that. I wish they would do it over a shorter span of time because I feel like everybody's going to get hurt and we're not going to see the fights that they that we want to see. Is it supposed to last like 2018, like the whole year? So we'll get yeah, the that's champ what like I heard. at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, I hate that man. Like Hickson, Hickson when he was fighting back in Japan, like it's like okay, we're going to see who wins this tonight, eight man tournament. We're going to uh, be done here in a couple of hours. You know this. Yeah. Great for the viewers and the fans. Terrible for the fighters. Yeah. You know, um, I think it was on Joe Rogan's MMA show. They were talking about um, Josh Barnett, really. It was the Jimmy Smith episode. Um, they were talking about how Josh Barnett uh, kind of, like, spent his pr prime outside the UFC. And it's just, yeah, it's for sure. Him, uh, well, uh, probably Noguera did. Uh. Barnett's last fight was in the UFC. I'm trying to see if he... Has anything coming up? Man, did you see Josh Barnett do that Nogi grappling match against Dean Lister? No, it was it was sick. Uh, he actually submitted Dean Lister with the same um, the same move Dean Lister had last been submitted with seventeen years earlier. It's like a uh, basically a pin, like a head arm sort of pin, just chest compression. I heard about Josh Barnett being sort of a legend in the grappling world. Yeah, he really is. Um, Dude's super legit, trained with Eric Paulson. So um, kind of came up under a, a real legit grappler and leg locker. Uh, Eric Paulson was showing some sick calf crusher the other day that I saw going around viral on the internet. Josh Barnett is the current Metamorous heavyweight champion. Is that a big thing? That is. He, um, and then I think it was High and Gracie that he toe-holded uh, at Metamorous. It was pretty, uh, pretty legit. Let's see. Um, I wonder if that's on Wiki. Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix. So I wonder, do you think Scott Coker is the main reason they're they're trying to do the heavyweight tournament format again, uh, or what do you, what do you think's their their logic behind that? I I'm sure S Scott Coker, from what I understand, is the brainchild of all the you know the the mad ideas of Bellator, and so I'm pretty sure he he came up with this tournament just thinking. You think it's? I mean, you think he's trying to throw it back to like the Strike Force days, or, or what are you thinking on that? Yeah, I think it's just a tournament style stuff. Is just an interesting format. There's it no, really is. there's no, uh, you know, fan favorite getting title shot. So there's no drama. It's just you beat this guy, you get the shot. It's a thirty seconds left on this Ngannou uh, versus Luis Henrique round one. You can tell um, he's a lot more stiff and rigid than he once was, kind of reaching for punches. Good little sprawl, though. Hell yeah, that was a great sprawl. Man, like, I, I, I tell people this kind of all the time now, but I feel like I didn't. I mean, I've known how to sprawl for, like, 10 years, but last July I went to this uh, Hicks and Gracie seminar, and I feel like I learned how to sprawl for the first time from Hickson. <laughs> Just he's oh, like, yeah? hey, uh, do this. It's like, and this is the same as all that other stuff I just talked about. I love sprawling. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. So I was talking about like being a counter wrestler. One of Tyrone's favorite things Have to do. Have a great sprawl. Tyrone. You know, I met Tyrone Woodley um, in Vegas a couple of years ago and like tried to strike up a conversation with him. 
because it's like kind of a closed off deal like you pay to be there and like he's kind of hanging out at this booth of the of our billing company and i i just kind of started talking to him and dude just kind of it's like yeah dude whatever yeah, that's uh, seems you know, like Tom Woodley. He gets and, in and moves. like it was like there was like nobody there talking to him either. I was just like, uh, "Hey, man, this is like long before." I mean, this was at least two years ago, at least maybe three years ago. But uh, he was just like, because I was asking him, he was like sponsored by our billing company, and I was like, "How'd you work that out?" And he's like, "I think they just needed somebody from the UFC." You know, I'm like, "Well, you know, good for you." <laughs> Yeah, that was a legit sprawl. Good, uh, nice timing on it, anyway. Notice guy, has he? I wonder if he's fought anyone really since then or before this fight. Yeah, I've never really. Um, or is he just kind of brought in to uh, see what Engano's got? Not that MMA math really means anything, but. You're gonna at least pull something from it if he's beat other people of note. Yeah, I didn't see much of anything uh, from him in this fight. He looked terrified of Ngannou from the start and fought like he was terrified. I'm terrified, and I'm not even in there. <laughs> like, man, that's that dude is just like huge, scary, huge. They say he just hangs out at Usada all the time. I guess they have a gym there. The, te the testing center, yeah. Maybe maybe the UFC just had USADA put an office in one of their facilities. I don't really know what the breakdown is. Dude's trying to take him down. Seems to be his game plan. Yeah, so, I was... What they were saying, I think a lot of people are thinking you got to take Ngannou down to beat him. That's what they were saying on... Uh, the When Woodley was on Joe Rogan, they were saying that... Uh, because, I mean, Miocic is a D1 wrestler, so yeah, there is that. But I'm thinking that's not the way to beat him, personally. I'm against the majority with that one. What do you, what do you think? What's uh, I think you're going to have to kickbox him up. Since he's a boxer, traditionally, that seems to be dude, what his, And his leg kick scares me, bro. That, did you see that highlight of like, that, how big that dude's leg pad had to be? And like when he would not knee him in the body and stuff, just like lifting him up off the ground, I'm like, man, I'd hate to be holding mitts for that dude. Yeah, but in his fights, I don't see too much of a leg approach. I don't, I don't know if I really yeah, see him Yeah, I know. I see, I've much. seen him do it more. I've seen him kick the leg a little bit. But uh, not. Uh, I think he's kind of still coming into his own on on his leg kick. But I, like when I've seen him score it, and I've seen him do it in like open workouts, it looks sick. Let's see. Luis Henrique is Brazilian, six one. And yeah, he's a little tiny guy too. Young, young guy. He's lost. Um, he's had five fights in the UFC. He's two and three. Hasn't really fought anybody. His first fight in the UFC was against Ngana, but this is Ngana's first fight in the UFC. This was when uh, Cerrone fought Dos Anjos, too. Oh, there's that uppercut again, dude. Sick. That's That was sick. Dude's had this snapped back. Yeah, interestingly enough, it's uh, you gotta look out for Ngannou's left hand more than you do his right hand, even though he's right-handed and coming out of an orthodox stance. Yeah, I know. I love how he I love how he does that lead uppercut. I'm I'm a big fan of the lead uppercut. Well, I'm I'm, I'm actually just assuming he's right-handed. I don't actually know. Maybe he is left-handed and he uses a orthodox stance yeah, anyway. One two and then yeah, just a jab cross. And yeah, threw it from the hip too, man. Jeez, world his hip into it really well though. That was sick. And yeah, that's kind of what he same thing he did to Overeem. Two uppercuts in a row on that one though. He went uh, rear uppercut to lead uppercut. Sick, super sick. Okay, let's see who the next victim is. We got. So we'll cross this dude's name off the list. Lewis Henry, round two KO. His next fight ends in the round two also, and then all the rest of his fights in the UFC and in round one, all mm -hmm. the way up to Overeem. So, 
Who do we got next? Curtis uh, Blades. Curtis Blades. His name sounds cool. At least we know that he made it two rounds. I mean, that's bragging rights at this point. Yeah, I was like, talking to my brother the other day, and he's like, "What? Curtis Blades seemingly has like a hype train behind him right now." And I think it's literally just because he, <laughs> he made it to round two with Ngannou. People think he got good. beat the least. He does have a nice yeah. looking beard. He got beat the least, and I think he he actually does does take Ngannou down in this fight. Interesting. It's brief, very brief, but he does get him down. That's why I was wanting to watch all Ngannou's fights is just to see. I want to see his progression and evolution. Like, um, he fought a lot when he first started out, and then um, he had a break from Arlovsky to Overeem for quite a while, like a, like 10 or 11 months. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll ask you, and maybe you know, has he been at the UFC Performance Institute since he's been in the UFC? Or is this a new thing? They just moved him out there like this last year? I'm not sure. I, I haven't really heard or read. I don't know. And another thing I was wondering about that was if are they giving him free room and board out there and just uh I don't know. Well see I heard it from Novitsky on JRE. Uh Novitsky was like, We gotta get this dude an office because he's like always there. Yeah. You know, it's like we gotta get this dude an office here. Come on. And I hear people complaining and bitching that oh Francis Ngannou is getting special treatment they're putting him up free room and board right there at the performance institute so he gets access to all that stuff I mean you think they're trying to make him the Conor McGregor of the heavyweight division because that seems to be the model like that's that's what what Tyron was like was mad about is that like he's like I had a couple of bad fights in which like I mean they were really like I liked how like it did take him a while to kind of get his point across but he's like how would you fight wonder boy and like joe has even made a point where he's like um you know it's it was exciting at the time there's all this stuff on the line but it's not like that fight you watch a second time like demetrius johnson mighty mouse i watched that fight like twice recently you know so it's um yeah i don't i don't blame tyron at all for the way he fought Stephen Thompson, I would have done the exact same thing, and I respect the hell out of Well, and he brought in Sage Northcutt and all of these super legit Taekwondo guys to simulate that. So, like, like put a lot of time and effort into it. Puts a lot of time and effort into studying, breaking down his opponents, and yeah. And then he then he fights a guy that tries to take him down twenty times. It's like he's like, "What do you want me to do?" You know, and and Joe's like praising him for knocking out Robbie Lawler, and his like breakdown on how he was able to do that was. Um, he was like, man, Robbie's got um, his face is used to uh, taking straight punches. He's like, you know, I, I was like, it was my strategy mm-hmm. to, to throw hooks to hit the side of his face, to hit the jawline. Yeah. And like, they really theorized and, like, broke that down from his <laughs> fights that he had taken. Like, you know, like, that the, the shots that he did take, like, all of the Nick Diaz fight. Yeah, I think Tyron is super smart and very adaptable, and it's weird because... He does things traditionally you don't think would be a good idea, but somehow he makes it work. Like, you know, backing himself up against the cage all the time. Everyone's like, oh, he can't back himself up against the cage with Wonder Boy. But, you know, little did we know, Tyron says, you know, screw that. I'm not going to listen to anyone do my own thing. And he does what works for him. So, you know what my favorite Tyron Woodley fight was? What's up? Name Arcourt. (laughs) (laughs) That's mean, man. I know, dude. I'm sorry, bro. (laughs) That's low. That was kind of low. Um, okay, Ngannou going against Curtis Blades here. Both come out ortho. So Ngannou is 31. Blades is a young guy, huh? He's in early 20s? Or? I think so, yeah. Uh, 83-inch reach for Ngannou. He's actually got a 3-inch advantage on uh, Miochik. Started out in boxing, wanted to be wanted to be a boxer, and also is um, trained. I don't know if he's had any competitions, but uh, Savat, French Savat. Which is a super interesting kickboxing style. I don't know if you were at class the other night while I was talking about like kicking the liver or the inside leg with the ball of your foot. Like a front kick style, but it's like turned 45 degrees. Yeah, like a triangle kick is yeah. what some people call okay, it. Okay, interesting. I'll have to look that up. I've always like, I've even asked my coach who's like, you know, like Olympic Taekwondo back in the 80s, been to Soviet Union when it was Soviet Union. Fought in Athens, Greece. He's big time into Taekwondo back in the day and still um, he has super legit. He actually hit me in the head one time when we were sparring. He's like 50 years old. 
but uh, I was like, I asked him, I'm like, and I mean, he's, he's like guys telling you about that's, um, he's super foot, Joe, Joe Lewis, all, all the, he has a background in everything, man. He's so well, well versed in stand up, and he's a fourth degree in BJJ. So, uh, but <clears throat> he was just like, uh, yeah, that's a bastardized round kick. No, you know, I, and it is, it's the same shape as a round kick. But it's sort of like a front kick. But it's at the sort same of like time. a front yeah, kick. I've heard yeah. that called a triangle kick. It's sort of. I'm gonna have to look that up. A, That's interesting. A weird angle. I love knowing where the ter- where like terms come from and stuff, and like what certain because like certain certain terms stick and certain terms don't. Like I, I always like having different terms and different metaphors because I like to explain a hook or something to somebody and they might not get it. So I'll try and have like fallback ways of explaining things for different different folks. His swing stepping in, well, Dwayne Ludwig style. So I noticed. Uh, did you see that first shot that um, Curtis Blades tried to put on Engano? Yeah, well, I wasn't really paying he, attention. He came to straight out round one. You know, he he striked a little bit. You could kind of tell he wasn't trying to strike with him, but it, he shot on him, and it wasn't a bad shot. It was a pretty good shot, and they got in a clinch where Engano had double overhooks and Curtis Blades had double underhooks, and Curtis Blades, JUCO national champion. And he he looked like he was he he had good technique, but Engano was not going down. He didn't even get Engano off balance. So this is why I'm saying I don't think is this a UFC 200. Is that know. what I'm seeing on the canvas? Ooh, rocked him, dropped him, uh, and then he fits in a double. That's a great time to shoot a double, like when someone's rushing in on you like that when you're already down. Yeah, might as well. I mean, that's that's along the same lines of counter wrestling. It's like you're already down there low. You didn't have to set up your shot. They're running in. Man, Ngannou's so good at like closing the gap when somebody um, when he rocks somebody and drops him. That's like he was all over over him, dude. Just yeah, that's he's like that in all his fights. His follow up, he's always in position, always got the good angle, and always on balance to follow up. Now Curtis Blades, I get, yeah, he's he's not standing a chance in the grappling or wrestling with Ngannou, and this is early on in Ngannou's. UFC this was career. April of April of sixteen. Yeah, second UFC. See, fight. this wasn't even um, this fight wasn't even a finish. It was uh, I think that they might uh, stop the fight in between. Oh, do you see him go underneath the that? Takedown. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, he got kind of lazy on that. This dude shot under his hook. Are you able to rewind it and see it again here? Yeah, I believe that. Uh, Let's see how he was at what Ngannou was doing. I can go thirty seconds. That'll be the easiest way to do it. Break down the takedown. The one takedown someone's got on Ngannou. And he no, took him right down. Mother F. <laughs> I hit the 30 second button. Why are you going to restart the whole fight? Do you remember what time in the fight that was? It was uh, sort of the end slash middle of round two. Here were two. Okay. So he just dropped, me, dropped him again. Well over under. Yeah, so I wonder if Ngannou is kind of winded from this little clinch exchange when he gets taken down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that might be the one of the. I, I'm just I'm super interested to see how Miocic and uh, their team strategize for this. Very interested to see. Yeah, me too. Uh, like I was talking about the other day, I think it's Miocic is going to have to change a lot in his game or add a lot to be able to. Yeah, I think so too. But like uh, I mentioned to you, he has evolved a lot in the last five fights. Like, like, so he had that loss to Struve, right? Which I mean, Struve's like seven foot tall, man. I mean, like Um, how are you going to fight that dude? So yeah, I wonder if he wasn't like kind of gassed right there when he got taken down with that. I think he taught Curtis Blades timed it really well. Yeah, it was because like he was kind of throwing time. like almost a lazy hook. Yeah, he didn't even have time to react. He just went straight down. There was no fight or anything. Mm. He's countering well though with that uh, little leg drag right there, reaching across on the inside thigh. I like doing that myself. Yeah, getting an underhook. Oh man, come on now! What's going on? Curtis Blades in the hizzy. He's, he's looking good right I here. I mean, he really is. I'm, I'm scared of both these If I was watching this fight live, I'd dudes. be like, oh, if I didn't know any better. Yeah, that was impressive. 
I wonder. He looked. I mean, he looks like he's taking labored breaths. Looked his hands a little yeah. lower. I think maybe the wrestling just fatigued him out a little bit. But that's just it. Like this fight was well. I mean, over a year ago, April of almost two years ago. Now my brother was saying if Stipe gets him in a clinch against the cage, it'd make it a grind fest. Might be the way to beat him. And Randy Couture style. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't see that. I, that. In theory, that seems great, but we've seen Overeem try to do it. Overeem has a great clinch. Overeem is big and strong, and and Ghana didn't have no problems with Overeem trying to do that. Mm, no, that is. Uh, so I wonder. Uh, I haven't seen this fight. Have you seen this fight? No. Yeah, I haven't either, man. That's why. That's why Fight Pass is so good. I love me some Fight Pass, dude. I can just like. It's possible for me to watch all of Francis Ngannou's fights. Turn around and watch all of Stipe's fights after that if I want. But Stipe's last five wins are via KO or TKO. Mm -hmm. That's what's impressive is that he was not finishing a ton and then started just annihilating people. He'd done the opposite Got, of what he, champions normally do. I know. Like, think about GSP, Anderson Silva. I mean, even Joe Rogan said this earlier um, on the uh, Woodley uh, podcast when he was talking about Woodley. He's like... You know, Willie's like, I was, you know, I had these spectacular knockouts, beat these people in this fashion, and all people remember is that. And, you know, and he's like, well, it was like that with Anderson Silva. And then he came out and front kicked Vitor Belfort in the face. And Yeah, the knockouts will come. You can't force them. I know, man. Technique will carry you so far when you just will get in there and strategize and, and let it flow out. Even I heard Greg Jackson say um, one time at a seminar, he's like, you can't, you can't force things. It has to, it has to flow. If you're sitting there thinking about it, trying to force it, trying to make it come out, trying to run your combo list, it won't be like, yeah. You know, I've just seen Curtis Blades land a nice stiff jab on Ngannou. Yeah. He just lunged in for it again. Led him with a straight right, caught a, caught a right hand of his own right there. That rocked him a little bit. It looked like, look, cut it. Did he cut his face with that dude? Looked like that was that yeah. right hand. Looks like his eyes swelling up. Yeah. This, I bet this is what. The doctor stoppage comes from this one. Yeah, notice Ngannou's movement isn't nearly as good in this fight. It's not. I mean, really, his he's evolved movement. a lot over the last couple of years. I'm, I'm yeah. noticing that. In comparison to what we saw and um, the Overeem fight. And like I said, there was a lot of time between Arlovsky and Overeem. You know, Overeem fight, he was using little little steps for his footwork. He was had a lot of head, head movement, but it was subtle head movement. It wasn't crazy, and then he had a lot of feints. In this fight, he's a lot more rigid and still. Slapped him down to the ground on that one, dude. Have you ever seen those slap competitions, man, where people just slap each other? Like... I slap you, and then you slap me, and then sometimes <laughs> you, like people get knocked out. It's crazy, like just I'm like just... like a bitch slap contest. No like... joke. It's a it's like a sport, like arm wrestling, but with bitch slaps. Tries. Oh, dude, he got him again. He's he winning did. this fight right now. Maybe not. Yeah, I wouldn't say that much, but he did get him again. I mean, that's two takedowns take to no takedowns, and he took him down straight in a side control. Yeah, very nice. And uh, then he Blades. had that near takedown where he just popped like What's right up, uh, right up. Looks like Blades so he's got, got lazy. Yeah, he got the back there. Looks like he's tired from wrestling now, or his face being annihilated. Yeah, he looks a little distraught about the face. Okay, so maybe uh, safe. I remember when I first started charting Stipe, I'm like, "Who's this stoppy guy?" Yeah, stipe, stoppy, my cock. Mike, um, Mika, Mikioshi, I can never remember his name, Steve Miochik. Such a, such a, like, immigrant firefighter name, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it when really I first is. saw him, I thought he was, like, for real from, like, Croatia or, like, somewhere where, I know, like, dude, he looks like from. a little baby crow cop. Miochik's got the immigrant mentality. I I want to see how surprised Joey Diaz hasn't been on talking about his boy Miochik since the since this fight's been announced. That was a nice little jab. Yeah, and Ganu definitely looks a little bit winded here in the middle of round two. Uh, Blades' eye looks a little bit winded, bro. <laughs> like I yeah. caught a view. Of, oh man, do you see the hematoma, Formic? You can see it right there from the side. 
like it like the he's gonna turn a little bit or they'll catch another angle like you could see oh man it, it, his eye ain't even open yeah that thing shut and now it's just causing him to eat more and more man lunches. yeah you know how, oh, I wish this fight would have went the three rounds I think Curtis Blades is definitely still in it though yeah I know he's landing I would, uh, shots I would agree not he's he's losing, but he's needs to shots. keep that right eyelid away from the the fist of Inganu. <clears throat> I am looking forward to um, as time goes on with the podcast doing uh, fight companions. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do it on every single fight, but I think that that would be. Uh, Oh man, he swung swung big again and almost got taken down again, dude. I mean, again, this is like April of 2016, but we might be seeing the blueprint on how to beat this big dude. Yeah, and that eye is gnarly. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing a lot since I hadn't seen this fight before. I'm seeing a lot that I would think. Could that's be why, there man. For that's Stipe. why I wanted to watch it because, like, that's the number one thing. It's like Stipe's been getting better at finishing. Ganu <laughs> obviously finishes people, but he his two most notable wins are Arlovsky. And um, Overeem, who probably most definitely have serious, serious brain damage. Oh, sir, we need to check your face. Um, it seems to be, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. If I if this was what we were going off of into the Stipe fight, I would think Stipe would kick his ass. I know, yeah. but yeah, not what we're going. Let's off go back of. to the. Let's go to back to the biased Ngannou notes on page one of my. Of my mom. <laughs> um, let's see. So there is okay. So there's a whole thing with him breaking the punching record. Which what do you think about that? You think that's bullshit? Yeah, that pretty, machine's, pretty much. That machine's been hit by everybody all the time for years. That's the kind of the argument. It's like he he had more. I think his was like Tyrone Spong was like 114,000, and um, his was like 129,000. But you know. Well, I mean, it's it's irrelevant to me. We know he hits hard as shit, and okay, that's really the all there is to it. Uh, can you see this finger over here? Uh, no. <laughs> he just he just Damn. touched the doctor in the eye, man. He just touched his face. Yeah, he couldn't see he it all. Oh, yeah, his depth, depth perception is yeah. a little off. Yeah, he's, he's, Curtis Blade's still in him, man. He wants to keep fighting. I like him. Yeah, see, they're checking his peripherals, and he didn't have any. <laughs> well, come on, man. Shit. Yeah, dude, his eyes. Maybe yeah, he'll get a rematch with uh, Olengano one of these days. Yeah, I wonder what uh, Blades has been up to recently. That's a major bummer, man, to get a fight stopped that way because of an injury. So cross Curtis Blades off the list. Now we're getting to the short fights. <laughs> like, this, uh, these, uh, these next few go uh, go pretty quick. You mind if we break real quick? No, that's totally fine, bro. I can just hit pause right now. Okay, we're back. And I uh, did a cool little revelation here. Go ahead and say that again. Yeah, I was, we were wondering who Curtis Blades was fighting next. And he's been on a little bit of a tear since the Sangano fight. He's undefeated since then with pretty dominant victories. So he's fighting Mark Hunt next I month. would watch a rematch of that fight. That would be uh, interesting. I don't know. Let's say that... Um, oh, this... Bastard <laughs> yeah. Oh, Let's say um, if uh, Nganu loses, that would be a good fight for him to go to. If he loses to Miocic, if he beats Miocic, I don't know who who's going to be next in line. If Nganu beats Miocic, who's going to be next in line? If Miocic beats Nganu, I think Fabricio's next in line if Nganu wins, which would be a sick fight. Fabricio was at. Um, Hickson's uh, red belt promotion. Yeah, I think uh, I think Fabricio is a better matchup for than Stipe is to win it against Ngannou. Stipe uses, I mean, um, speaking stop. speaking of Hickson, my <laughs> dog just pushed the door open. <laughs> I, I thought I shut the door all the way. My bad. Did you see that picture Cora posted of the cat on the on the podcast? It like hopped yeah. up in there, Pod Kitty. 
Yeah, this guy, man. I don't think he wants any uh, yeah, any part of this. He got he got a little uh, little skin hanging over the Reebok shorts. <laughs> he's <there>. like <laughs> he's like my height fighting yeah, Francis Ngannou. <laughs> Andy's got some male pattern baldness going on. <laughs> he's a forty year old five foot nine dude. Dude, who's that guy? I always forget his name. He's the he's like forty early forties, but he's an Olympic judoka. And um, the I Australian say, guy. What's that? The Australian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he just fought. Um, fought several times. I want to say he just got finished pretty, pretty brutally. But he could have fought again since then. Like I, he just always puts on an entertaining fight and always takes people down because of his judo too. But he's got pretty sick striking. But he's an older dude. I mean, he's like forty, forty-two. Yeah, I know years who you're old. talking about. I think he just fought uh, Elias Theodoro his last fight or recently. Oh man, that dude just whiffed a baseball bat of an overhand at Dengano. This dude looks like Matt Mitrione and Fedor had a baby, and it got. Some prison tats. Yeah, definitely some prison tats going on. I keep giving... Oh, man, that was a nasty... Like, oh, my gosh, dude. This Mauling. is just terrible. I wonder yeah. what kind of sounds Ninganu makes while he's doing that. <laughs> like a, like savage growls. Yeah, man. you know, I... Uh, I was still in it. I was still, oh, dude, look at those. Like, he got weird baby faces on his back. That's uh, interesting tattoos. Man, yeah, that. And Ganu's like, how could you protest? <laughs> I Come on, bro, that was a fast one. That one didn't raise Ngannou's see, stock see, very much. See you later, Mr. Bojan, Bohan, whatever your name is. You know, with a name like Francis... You better be good at MMA. <laughs> Francis, super common French name. I, I know, right? The Canadian was the Canadian guy that used to be in the UFC back in the day. He was pretty good. That TriStar, Francis, something or the other. Um, what? Uh, so yeah, this guy. Somebody was like trying to compare him to uh, Czech Congo because of the. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess they're both I, I French, guess, uh, African. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent. I, don't, I can't remember. I, I used to be somewhat of a Czech Congo fan. Was it you and I talking about that Pat Berry fight? You, had, you, had you seen Czech Congo and Pat Berry? Yeah, wasn't that one of the biggest comebacks ever? Yeah, it was, man. So sick. That was one of my favorite. Yeah, definitely an awesome comeback. Good Anthony fight to watch. Hamilton is next. Okay, at least we're getting to people that are yeah. decently well-known. Yeah, next is Arlovsky and then the Reem. Got a new little haircut going on. Yeah, this is the new haircut I got him in this fight. You ever, yeah. Do you ever remember that YouTube video? Hey, it's my new haircut. Yeah. Ye Jaeger bombs. Right. Yeah. All my boys, we got the same haircut. <laughs> That's such a <laughs> funny video. Um, Cora, um, Cora hates Joey Diaz for for some reason. I love Joey Diaz. Hannah hates Joey Diaz as well. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can totally see why. But like, your Cora, was, Cora was just giving me crap earlier. Called me. She's like, "You effing Momo," and I was like, "What? You just called me a Momo, but you hate Joey Diaz?" Yeah, I showed her stuff, thinking it's the funniest thing in the world, and for some reason, she doesn't get the same kick out of it. Did, as did, I did. you Did you see the one where he was talking about the bus ride, the no. fart on the bus? No. Oh my gosh, man. It's like, so, watch some of the best of compilation videos from JRE on Joey Diaz, and it would, dude, you would like side splitting laughter. <clears throat> man, speaking of side splitting, like in yoga today, so I did yoga right before this. Um, yeah. Man, that is one of the biggest benefits that I'm receiving. It's like, my hips are opening up a lot because, like, I'm stretching the, like, the top of my hip, like, into my side, like, between my ribs and, and that, like, I don't even know what this is called. Like, this that very top of your hip right there. Yeah. I don't know what it's called either. Yeah, but... I mean, uh, you're talking about the muscle right there? Like yeah, the like, you know, where you kind of do right an oblique top. crunch right there? Like, I, I really, like, I feel like lengthening, like, a lot of tension in between, like, where my rib cage ends, like, with the top of my hip kind of starts to form, and it's it's feeling great. But we've been doing a lot of, like, side-twisting stuff where you do that. Yep. And... Yeah, I love that pose. Man, good. like from Warrior, it's it's it was probably the best class I've done today. Like I've been doing, I don't know if I'm going to go tomorrow, so I'm going to go see Todd Snyder in concert tonight. And um, then we're going to do a music unraveled about him. But um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to um, 
hit yoga in the morning after going to George's and partying tonight. So yeah, it'd be rough. Yeah. It'd be rough. So, bro, you don't like the floozies. I like how I was like, no, nah, bro, you, you, they got a lot of stuff. You got to check out this song. This song is the best song. You're like, that's the one I checked out. Yeah, I just went to Spotify, you know, like top five songs, and I think that was the top one, though. I really enjoy that song. Yeah, I love, dude, I love, like, sparring to that song. I, when I did my first white belt test, um, I was sparring. I had to spar 12 rounds and roll 12 rounds. And I was sparring, um, and that song "Stunting" came on. I just did. I hit like a fifth gear. I was like, "Yeah, kicking it in that overdrive." <clears throat> yeah, don't get me wrong. I hadn't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I like mean, the they are different. But uh, too, I would. I would be interested. In, like, just because I know that you said you're in, kind of into electronic, I'd be interested to, to hear what other uh, stuff you listen to because they are like one of my favorite electronic bands. But definitely, uh, Big Gigantic's another one I really enjoy, and they're going to be at Georgia's next month. Yeah, the the Floozies have like a like a eighties kind of music yeah, they vibe do, to it. Because he sings into that little um, vocal synthesizer thing. He does all the, the vocals. beats and stuff. Or I don't know if it was maybe the one song because I did listen to another song other than the the love sex and whatever. What love called? sex and fancy things. Yeah, mm -hmm. they've got um, they got a bunch of cool songs. They sample. They sample. Um, uh, just can't uh, just can't sit. New joint hit by uh, Will Smith. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give them another listen. Check it out some more. <clears throat> yeah, they're 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 good, but like I definitely like I've seen them in concert a few times, and I'm probably gonna go see them at this festival, the uh, Backwoods Festival, for my birthday. Um, but uh, you know, so Francis here is fighting Anthony Hamilton when he was still in France. Well, it says fighting out of you know that doesn't always isn't always accurate. I guess it's whatever they write on the card. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if we're looking at the next heavyweight champion of the UFC right now. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, you know how, how much he's got to be putting into what he's doing right now, into the, the industry and the production of Francis Ngannou, because he's on the cusp of absolute greatness if he wins this fight. Yes. And yeah, I wonder, you know, and I mean, if, if Miocic's just a little complacent or not as, you know... No way, Miocic is complacent right now. I think Miocic wants this more than anything. Okay, how old is Miocic? Uh, he's probably the same age. I'm not sure, but I think he's uh, early 30s. Francis is 31. Stipe is 35. 246, Ooh. 80 inch reach, 6 foot 4, D1 wrestler, 19 and 2 professional record, 13 fights in the UFC. Fourth appearance in the UFC, loses to Struve. Wins three, then loses the decision to JDS. Uh, in a non-title fight, and then his next five fights are TKO, TKO, KO, KO, TKO. Savage. Total savage. Like, like it's just like GSP, and it's like it went the total other way. It's like, I'm going to start fighting only decisions. It's like, I mean, Michael Bisping's got to be the first first person GSP's finished in a while. Mm -hmm. This dude's got a little quick little hands. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, caught the kick. It was oh, just complimenting your kicks, Francis. That was a nice little scramble, but now dude's got his back. The dude looks like a little baby Cormier. Oh, picking Francis up. Yeah, Francis definitely hasn't looked nearly as untouchable in his early UFC fights. Got his back taken by Anthony Hamilton. It seemed like Anthony Hamilton was just faster to get there. He just got up, scrambled, and took the back faster than Francis was able to get up. Yeah. Francis sometimes has, like, a look of, like, oh, shit, that really just happened. Dude, oh. Dude, oh, he yeah. just jerked that guy down from a standing Kimura position into side mount and knee mount Kimura finished. I'm impressed by that. Yeah, I don't fin I don't finish Kimuras on Nemo uh, personally in all my eleven years plus of doing jujitsu, but um, I mean I can see it. I just don't, and I've seen it before. I just don't personally like it. But he just like, he was up against the fence and slung and Ganu down. You know, I heard this. Remember how we were kind of talking? And I mentioned on the first Sports Unravel we were doing uh, talking about like. I was like, what if they took the fence out? Dude, then they were talking about that, because I hadn't seen the whole Jimmy Smith episode, but they were talking about that on Joe Rogan and what Bellator has done, because they have Bellator kickboxing, and then they lower the cage down over it, right? So 
they have all this extra room so you don't just Bernard Hopkins and fall out of the ring. But that's uh, that's what Jimmy Smith was saying. It's like Bellator had come up with the answers, like five extra feet on all sides if you fall through the ropes. Like, why not just do that? Hmm. Or like Joe Rogan was like, put him in a basketball court with like padded walls all the way around it or something. But like, that, that, like they were saying the same thing. Or Joe was, he's like, what if you took the um, the wall out of it? There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to go. It's like a striker, take him down. You takedowns can explode and drive and not have to worry about running the fence. Like the fence is a big factor. Yeah, huge. Huge. You'd probably see a lot more boring fights though too. Possibly. People Maybe like, see some people. Um, it, it would take away the importance of like lateral movement rather than. You know, Indeed. It would, I mean, it would, ta- it would take up. away the importance of a lot of footwork in my mind. Yeah. Right. It would become uh like having good footwork wouldn't be as important anymore if you had this huge open space to run around to. Man, the evolution of Francis Ngannou's haircut. I'm interested in it. He looked way more badass with the cornrows. Indeed. He kinda like kept a them. kinda like a big African Uriah Faber. <laughs> yeah, he he looked like way cooler, way scarier. Oh damn it, uppercut again, dude. It's I'm just it's just traumatic. Like you know, like you know that people get hit by him or like living with trauma. See, it's like Arlovsky, man. I like the dude, but I don't want to see him get hit anymore. Like when Fedor knocked Arlovsky out in Affliction, do you remember that? I do. Yep, I was hyped for that fight. Yeah, me too. And like, I was like, "Damn, Arlovsky's dead. He died." <laughs> like, I mean, I was just like, "Dude, you just died." I mean, it's just Didn't like he, he hopped in with like a flying knee and get caught with the overhand. Yeah, right? just like boom, and just, jumped in. just like cut him down. Just, I mean, it was it was an impressive thing, but. He's been uh, he's been knocked out a few times. I will say what was super impressive to me, and I mean this guy's career kind of went on the uh, on the downside uh, around that time. But did you see Andre Olowski finish Travis Brown? Well, I'm I'm sure I've seen that. But so he threw reason. he threw an overhand or like an overhand right, and it missed. And then he came back and hit him with a right. back yeah, fist, the bro. I was just like, what? Yeah, that was sick. Yeah. He hit him with a couple of those in that fight. It seemed yeah. like something he was like either working on or because yeah, that's a uh, man. That's that we'll say about the Jackson Wink camp is uh, and and more specifically Mike Winklejohn is that's like the strike they they are always to me in a way bringing interesting new striking concepts and I think there might be a little behind the the curve on the grappling as you kind of saw with Condit like in uh, the fight the other night he was trying to. Um, transition a lot of leg locks off his submission game which is a good idea but you could tell he just wasn't quite there on it you know like yeah nothing materialized for him and he ended up losing that fight yeah well, I, I thought it was really cool what you said last time about if they made that old jackson striking and grappling book from years ago if they made a new version oh, no, like an dude. updated like it's one a good with all the, book bro all the current stuff like i like how you're like oh, so i heard you mention that book uh mm-hmm. i have that same book i'm like yeah it's yeah, a good one. It's a good one. I like, I literally was over to Buddy's house one time, and he had his guy, a buddy I knew that trained. He had it, and I just picked it up off the shelf, and I was like, I am buying this. And I bought both of them. Come on now. So have you seen anything about the the UFC Performance Institute, like with all they have in there or anything? No, not a ton. Um, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about it, though. Yeah. Cool stuff. The... um. The, apparently they say other sports have been doing it for a while, but the using light therapy. Yeah, no, that uh, that is a definitely a thing to um, get the blood flow and. Yeah, see, that's what I was saying. Uh, light is something that people are talking about a lot. Like how, like I was mentioning to you the other day, and hopefully my buddy breaks it down really well for the audience. But um, how water reacts to light to form energy, like. It's 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 really interesting. Um, yeah, you talked about that the other day, right? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of fa- like because I was like I said, there's a whole TED talk about it, and I was just I never really given it much thought, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more of a uh, liberal fine arts, arts and humanities type of guy, and I mean I I did well in math and sciences in college, not so much in high school. I'm not you know a nuclear engineer or anything. <coughs> yeah, yeah, but 
that was man that's something like i was interested in engineering but seriously like for my skill set and what i want to do way too much math involved in that <coughs> same thing with architecture yeah I like, yeah i like math so did you like building legos when you were a kid no see i'm not you're not that i'm engineer. not the traditional engineer yeah as know, you right? kind of could tell i'm not i'm really different than my engineering peers so um, there was a guy I met uh, that came here from D.C. Uh, that was a flood engineer out there. That's kind of an interesting. I never really met or heard of a flood engineer before. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. He had to, like, go around and look at all these potential places and fix this and change that, and he was here for a while. Oh, man, just caught Arlovsky. I mean, how many times no. has Arlovsky been knocked out, dude? I'm looking it up right now. Arlovsky was doing good in that fight up until for some he overextended there quite a bit. Arlovsky did really, I feel like, um, when he went to Jackson's, I felt like that was a positive thing for him, you know? Yeah, he's still there now, right? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, I think so. He looked good in his last fight. Arlovsky still seems to be, uh, I like him. He's, he looks like he's still adding stuff and getting better. You know, he gets knocked out, but... I mean, it is the heavyweight division. Yeah. Shit happens. That was gnarly. I want to see that again. Belarus. I like his little lightning bolt haircut. <laughs> Corny. <Scar. laughs> I know, right? Corny. When he had these cool warrior braids before and he went to a little blonde lightning bolt. Pink. Kind of like a stepping back rear hook. Interesting. Okay, um, yeah. So, Arlovsky's, um, let's see, just since he's been back in the UFC, we're going to start with that. He beat Schwab, Antonio Silva, Travis Brown, and Frank Mir. Impressive. Yeah, very and, impressive. And um, split decision against Schwab and um, decision against Frank Mir, but it TKO and a ta uh, KO of and, uh, Antonio Silva and Travis Brown. Then he loses to Stipe, and that would have been, um, that wasn't a title fight. Then he loses to Reem. Then he, um, TKO on both of those, gets submitted with a rear naked choke by Barnett. Loses to Nganu, and then loses to this guy named Marcin Tibura. Yeah. Tibura. He's the guy that just fought um, Fabricio, right? Uh, I I mean, uh, yeah, actually, I think so. Uh, and then Junior Albini. Um, yeah, he just won a decision turd. against him. <laughs> I don't like that guy. All right, last fight coming up here, the Ream. But, I mean, well, real quick before we put on the Ream, how many of those that I just mentioned recently? So we'll just, uh, we're going to go, I mentioned the Fedor fight. Distance the Fedor fight, which is in recent memory for you and I, 2009. So we're talking eight years. He's been knocked out. One, two, three, four. Uh, let's see. Four, five, six. Six times. So not as bad as I thought. But then you take his career before that. Um, Tim Sylvia knocked him out. Pedro Hizzo knocked him out. Rico Rodriguez knocked him out. And Vishalov, that sick. That's an electronic band, that sick. They're playing in Arkansas here soon. Um, <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's see him decimate Ream real quick, and then we'll see if we have any closing remarks. <clears throat> mm -hmm. The Ream. Dude, look at the cover on Fight Pass of that. Just like him bending that. Yeah, that, it's that's what they, everybody. Everybody it's unanimously says he's like, yeah, he got decapitated and <laughs> cut yeah, his head off on the promo for the Stipe match. Or yes, the Stipe and Engano fight where it shows over him with his head like on the canvas, like laid oh, back, with his eyes open. Creepy. Dude, yeah, he. Uh, creepy he uh, little I, stuff. I watched this last night. Um, or a couple of nights ago, I can't remember. I was just like, I watched this, and then I watched that Miocic versus Struve. Getting knocked out, such a weird like physical phenomenon have you been knocked out before not like ko'd stuff, yeah i've been I've, I've been flash knocked out a couple of times it like woke up when i hit the fort damn dude it already is over like we can't even talk and it's, it's gonna be over yeah i've been 
like dropped where I like blacked out for a second, but not like stiffened I'm like, up. Like, I'm like see a color flash, you know, and uh, a couple of times and it's like hit the floor and then just be like right yeah, back. I hit the floor and kind of, well, one time sort of bounced back up. Other times I've hit the floor sometimes and kind of like been like, oh, and laid there. Dude, I'll tell you what sucks are body knockouts, bro. Like a harsh, nasty liver shot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that sucks too. I'll take that any day over the. Uh, See, I feel like, man, I, I feel like Overeem might have taken a little this fight a little too casually. I mean, because wasn't wasn't he coming off a win over Verdum, or was uh, did he have a fight between that? Because when I was in, I saw him and Verdum fight when uh, I was in Vegas. So he separates him, ref separates him. It's three forty one in the round. They're going to get an old striking exchange here. I was thinking Overeem was a uh, pretty shook in this fight. Like, his tactic of just completely abandoning, like, his traditional striking style and going for the weaving, like... Yeah, I know. Overhand, like, loopy punches was just not his thing, like, and... Bink. Yeah, don't... Good I think night. he was, like, doing that, like, in a lot, like a... What do you call it? A panicked effort to avoid getting punched by So, Agone. you know, um, I was telling you about Ramon Deckers. That's one of um, Overeem's original coaches. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Back in, uh... What, are, what is it? Dutchland? Yeah, Holland. Holland. Yeah, well, that concludes uh, Francis Ngannou's six fights in the UFC here in, uh, we've only, we've been podcasting for 56 minutes, breaking down uh, all of his fights in the UFC. And then, like I said, he had, he had lost that one fight out of the UFC in a decision, but it, I want to <laughs> say it was even a split decision. You never know on something like that. I think that. he was subbed. Was he? Let me look it up real quick. Pretty sure. I don't think I didn't think he had been finished, but uh, it's possible. It was like an arm bar or something, like a standard sub, uh, I think. Francis Nagano. Let's see. He is eleven and one, and it was a decision. Oh, yeah. Second fight, December fourteenth, so twenty thirteen. Outclassed. Yeah, but man, you never know. He could have been fighting the hometown boy, yeah. at, with you know, and his in hometown boy's dad was one of the judges. Mm-hmm. You never know on uh, on decisions yeah. like that. Um, dude doesn't even have a Wikipedia page or anything, does he? I know, like his first um, one, two, three, four, five, six fights. Fighters don't have anything on Wikipedia, uh, but still, um, all, most of those were in France. One was in Switzerland. One was in Bahrain, Bahrain. Then uh, his first fight in the UFC is in Orlando, but his first round, second round, first round, second round. Okay, so here's something interesting. That was a two-round fight. Oh, the decision he mm-hmm. lost? That's, That's interesting. I have weird. to look into that a little more, yeah. Man, rounds. I, I, I just wish there was more fight. unification on things like rounds, round length, weight class, you know. And it's like, a, like UFC uses a cage, but Bellator uses a circle. Like they mm-hmm. use an octagon, Bellator uses a circle. It's fascinating to me the differences and things like that. Yeah, I wonder how much the circle changes, uh, cutting the cage. And I don't know. I think like it that. just allows them to do what I was saying about having that extra. But I, I mean, you could do that very well with an octagon. It'd probably work out just as well, honestly. So um, he's got seven knockout wins, four sub wins. This is Ngannou. Aside from that decision loss, two biggest people he's fought, probably Arlovski and Overeem. And then we got Stipe, who I kind of rattled off his uh, credentials a second ago on stat-wise, but what uh, what are your uh, predictions on that after seeing Ngannou wreck shop a few times? I, I think that... I'm gonna like my official prediction is gonna have to be Stipe. Stipe, but I, I, I'm, I think I'm getting swayed from watching Ngannou's older fights. Where yeah, me too. I feel the same way. I feel the same exact way. I'm um, not impressed by his older fights. Like, but you know what? You know what is convinced? You know what's turning? And I mean, it might just be because they haven't figured it out. I like watching uh, Ngannou's open workouts because he shows all this cool shit. Like a lot of fighters never show. Like you ever seen a Floyd Mayweather open workout? No. It's ridiculous. They don't show you anything. He's like, All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch the body. You ever seen that? Um, what, uh, what was it? Tracy Morgan. They did the speed test. Mm. Oh, dude, it's so funny, bro. Um, 
they act like uh he's Floyd Mayweather and and they're training and he's like uh he's hitting and then, then he's like oh speed test and then he's like like turns around and starts hitting behind his back and stuff it's a it's a classic video but um yeah I'm thinking Stipe's jab is going to be there on Ngannou after seeing Curtis Blades be able to land the jab, and Curtis Blades not near the boxer that Stipe is. Yeah, I mean, Stipe said he stopped training for like a year and just focused on boxing. I was trying yeah. to look up his uh, – he has a boxing record, right? He should. They he's, they say he's like, I don't – what is – what if you're a Golden Gloves <laughs> champ, what does that actually mean? I don't know That's much That's amateur about. boxing. That might be why he didn't have anything on. Um, yeah, so that will be why. <clears throat> I don't think he did, he didn't do any pro boxing. Pay-per-view bouts. So is if you're a Golden Gloves champ, does that mean like a state yeah. champ? Well, it could be state. It could be regional. <clears throat> so our so state is like uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi – or is this Mid-South, like Mid-South Golden Globes? So State's coming up in March, and then we have Mid-South, and then it's National. Floyd Mayweather is one of Mid-South Golden Globes in Arkansas. Oh, nice. Yeah, interesting little trivia factoid. <clears throat> okay, so let's look at um, Miocic's last one, two, three, four, five wins. Okay, we got a TKO of Mark Hunt. The guy with slurring speech and brain damage. We got a TKO of Arlovsky. We already talked about that. Uh, we got a KO of Fabricio, who had uh, recently fought Overeem, and Overeem won. You got a KO of um, Overeem. And then you got a TKO of JDS in the first round. Uh, one thing that's interesting to note is, yeah, he's most of his fights where he's won, it's fights where he's the pressuring guy and moving forward putting the pressure on the person and Stipe likes to cut the cage a lot and put him against the cage but with uh, Fabricio we remember Fabricio came running at him so he can also knock people out going off his back foot too yeah flying side kicks for everyone remember when uh is that what you're about when uh, Fabricio came out with that flying side kick he does he did that he, against um, um who did he do that against Open the fight with a flying side kick. Travis Brown. It might have been the yeah. second time. And you're just like, what? what yeah, because that was. What the, are you doing? That was the night he teeped Edmund at the end of the fight. Oh, man. Yeah. Too funny. Well, dude, uh, so Diablo Blanco. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're trying to come up with a cool cool nickname, and that's, that's what we came up with. You know, since Big Brown's already taken, and you're. Medium white just doesn't really. And yeah, medium white doesn't really ring. work. It's kind of how I cooked my eggs earlier. <laughs> I think I'm not sure. Well, uh, yeah, dude, I uh, covered a lot of topics in the last hour. I'm looking forward to UFC um, 220. Maybe we could do another podcast on the whole card, or or a um, if I don't end up watching that anywhere else, dude, I'm down to order the paper you here, do a companion, break it, break it down, or do one before or after. Like I said, on, when it hits fight pass, I'm trying to. I think I told you um, the prelims, at least. I hadn't checked on the ho actual Holly Holm main card, but I'm trying to figure out how long it is between those going on fight pass. It's just like there's no tr trend of how fast it takes to upload. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude, good times. Uh, we'll have to uh, have you back, and we'll have to break down some of these issues. Uh, some things Josh and I have been talking about uh, riffing on on the podcast would be uh, sp uh, different different aspects of performance enhancing drugs i would like to do one over just performance enhancing drugs in international sport and kind of give a big lay of the land that's not like most of the time when we do a sports unravel it's going to be like combat sports related because those are the only sports that matter just exactly. kidding but um i mean it, it is like but it's too it's interesting how the 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 issues we talk about in in the sports that we enjoy the most are going to be issues that exist in basically all sports mm -hmm. especially the that is the common thread in performance enhancing drugs is uh it just brings in all these cool ethical issues and um i am fascinated by um like the history of olympic sport and how um I'll probably incorporate this into my history side of things I'm doing because uh, a lot of people call um, Brian Fogel alluded to this, and there's old tons of books that have this either in their title, but uh, international sport is war without weapons. Hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it really is like uh, like in Brian Fogel said in that JRE 
uh, and he, this is the producer of Icarus. Uh, he was like, um, he was saying that he felt like Putin and this, uh, Russia, I almost always call him the Soviet Union, bro. Putin and <laughs> Russia, school. Putin and Russia, um, moved into the Ukraine in 2012, started taking territory there. And they said that, um, like Russia killing it at the Olympics in 2012 was like the hearts and mind level hearts and minds level support they needed to be able to do something like that yeah yeah i could see that makes sense interesting man well, let's go ahead and wrap this up i gotta go pick up uh we've got a car in the shop that's got had some parts ordered for it got the ignition all fixed apparently when your cars get like hundred thousand miles on them you gotta gotta get them fixed more yeah it's, it's like crazy that. i think we're about to uh about to trade in maybe maybe both of them but uh, anyway, so right on, man. Well, this is uh, Sports Unraveled, Brian and Josh. We'll see you guys next Stop. time.